Welcome to episode 192 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Joel Khalifa. He's a product design manager at DigitalOcean. We've had him on the show before. He was in our first live show. A year and a half ago on our panel in New York City. I will have a link to that in the show notes if you want to catch him there. But it's great to have him back on. Before we get into the episode, I want to thank our sponsor for this week, and that's Flow. Flow is a simple project management tool for design teams. It helps you and your team run your projects your way in a single space so that you can stay on top of everything that's happening at work. If you've been having trouble managing a busy team, floods of emails, notifications from all your different apps, or just struggling to keep up with even knowing what's going on, Flow is for you. Flow was designed by a world-class design team who has worked in the past with companies like Slack, Apple, Ted, Tumblr, and they give you a beautiful, simple user interface across all of your devices, whether it's web, on desktop, iOS, or Android, all to help get your team up and running with Flow in just minutes. It lets you and your team run your projects your way, making it easy to track projects, organizing your tasks as lists, in cards, or on a calendar. You can use Flow to collect feedback, create clear tasks, iterate on designs, and it also gives you clear visibility into everyone on your team so you can see who's working on what, what the sequencing is, also you can ship on time. Flow has very simple integrations with Dropbox, Box, Google Drive, so it's really easy to share your designs in just a couple of clicks so your team can leave comments and feedback directly on your tasks to keep discussion focused on the work at hand. If your team's using Slack, Flow also integrates to let you run your projects, create tasks, and share comments directly from your channels. If you want a better way to build great products, go to getflow.com slash design details and start a free unlimited trial today. If you use that URL, getflow.com slash design details, you'll save 20% off any plan at checkout or 30% if you do the annual subscription. It's beautiful, simple project management. Go learn more at getflow.com slash design details. And with that, let's get into episode 192 with Joel Khalifa. Hello, I am Joel. Nice. It's yeah. a good intro. Hi, Joel. It is. Uh, yeah, it's the kind of like AA intro. Um, <laughs> Hi, Joel. I am Joel, Walker. and I am a designer. And, and so, <laughs> Hi, Joel. Yeah, I'm so, so sorry. Like, everything in the world bothers me for some reason. <laughs> I'm a complaint addict. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's kind of true. Me being a complaint addict? Wow, no, no, no. brutal. Uh, <laughs> designers in general, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's kind of what we're paid to do is complain about just the right things, maybe. That's kind of fun. Well, <laughs> I mean, providing solutions is better, right? Well, that, this, this it, is a weird way that, to start. No, no, no. That, that's the path, right? Is recognizing the imperfection. The complaining first step about is recognizing it. there's a problem. <laughs> no, no, well, there's actually 12 steps. So the first one. <laughs> yeah, I just, I practice complaint driven design. <laughs> mm. God, are you going to copyright that? Or I, whatever I do that, trademark your. I do that pretty often. I mean, people make fun of me for coining things what's what's the thing that you've coined that you're most proud of and least proud of and sure how many times was it coined first <laughs> see yeah this is what i'm talking about <laughs> um it's a re-release of this coinage most proud of uh i would say is full stack anxiety yeah uh, which you thought i was gonna say something else um which uh he's like, oh god he's going for <laughs> he's it going for it that's no that's it's probably not even going to mention that. Um, my my Twitter bio is full stack flapjack. That's nice. The, the only thing that belongs in stacks is pancakes. That's true. All, all the other stacks are just false stacks. Mm-hmm. False stacks. Yes. 
false stack anxiety. <laughs> what do you? Le- I'm a false stack designer. So what, do, what I, are you least proud of coining? <laughs> um, oh man, I probably have have like removed this from my memory in some way. <laughs> the world of Khalifa coinage. <laughs> the world of Khalifa. Yeah, I have an entire book at home. It's just like <laughs> framed words that I've coined. March thirtieth, two thousand fifteen. <laughs> I coined. Full stack anxiety. <laughs> I'm a coin collector, but not your normal coin collector. <laughs> it was a good day. That's great. Yeah, that's my hobby is just coining things on the side. <laughs> Let me say some words here and then just mark them down for mm-hmm. posterity. Mm-hmm. Right. Twitter. I'm just like an SEO person. I just like say keywords and hope something <laughs> sticks. Just mix and mash them together. Well, full stack anxiety seemed to come out and stick at a time when that was probably is still a very real thing. For, for anyone that hasn't heard this, let's just go ahead and get into it. What is full stack sure. anxiety? I think so. For I think anxiety, full stack is, anxiety on the rise. is a conference talk by Joel Khalifa. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that is the Wikipedia article. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, full stack anxiety um, is just the feeling that you have when you're kind of a full stack anything um, of just like, oh, I do code and I do design or I do management or I do all these different things that are expected of me in some way. Uh, and I don't know what I am. So it's kind of an identity crisis. Uh, and I also don't know where I want to grow. Um, so it's just I'm always anxious, basically. You're speaking about you personally. Um, yes, I am always anxious. No, I, I um, no, yeah, I'm always anxious. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. Yes. Um, me I'm and- anxious about answering this question. <laughs> Yeah, me and everyone else, I feel like in in tech right now, or everyone who's not like, I'm a specialist at this thing, I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, I think so. I think everyone like has some levels of anxiety of just like, what am I? Um, What? What should I be doing? Where should I be growing? Am, am I doing the right thing? It, it's like a counterpoint to like being okay with ambiguity, right? Like, it's just like struggling with where to go. Yeah. I mean, even if you're okay with ambiguity, it's like, what do you do with it? So you have to, you have, it's like designers live in vagueness, right? And it's just like, figure out this amorphous blob, um, but you still have to figure it out. You can't just stay there and be like, but I like this amorphous blob. (laughs) No, this this blob is cozy as fuck. That's the point that gets to me is it's looking around and feeling like I should be doing stuff. Like I should be learning how to do X or I should be growing in, I, I should be prototyping all the time or I should be coding or I should be making like icons or I should be doing the eight point grid, like should, 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 should. We're surrounded Is by this. Is eight point all the- grid a discipline? <laughs> yes. I have it on my CV. <laughs> eight point I'm a grid. Fact. I'm a full stack eight point gridder. A stole fact. <laughs> stole fact. Uh, no, I, that's for me is I feel like I'm surrounded by should be, should be, should be. And at some point I said, Fuck it, and I quit <laughs> quit my job, and I worked on what I wanted to work. You on. are the most pragmatic designer I've ever met. Thanks, dude. You just figure out the way to ship a thing, and I think that's like the right way to go. But but it's hard to s- separate point is like being surrounded by people saying or asking, "What should we be doing?" Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point, and I think, and I actually like ironically have have a part of the talk the conference talk that i do um with the same name <laughs> um that focuses on that on like why are you focusing on should so much just do like what makes you happy as cliche as that is um i do think it's important to for you to just be like oh i i 
am tired of should I do all these things because things change in design so frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, can I just do what I like? And and I think I think in a sense that's kind of a charmed life. Like what you yeah. what you two are doing is is really amazing and lucky. Yes, yes. <laughs> Privilege, we're, we're fortunate. Yes. Privileged yes. is a, a way to put it. Yeah. Um, not not everyone has that. That's I think right. not that's everyone right. can be like you know I'm I'm gonna leave my job at Facebook. Um, and focus on this, like not everyone even has an idea for what they want to do or has like an entrepreneurial kind of gut instinct. Sure. Um, but yeah, but I, I do think there is a way for everyone to be like, okay, let me put this aside and think about what makes me happy and find that in their job and like craft, um, a place for themselves. What makes you happy? (sighs) Size. Um, size. Size make me happy. Yeah. Sighing in general. Upside down avatars Absolutely. are really his jam. Yes, that's that's my hobby. So I listed what do I like when they ask me in job interviews? They're like I like rotate Y one eighty. Yes, that's how I say it. I just do <laughs> I just do CSS transforms on myself. <laughs> um, what makes me happy? I think more than anything, it's social stuff like friends. Um, I'm. So I did the Myers-Briggs and everything that had to do with like extroversion was off the charts. It was like we, we did it as a team with like a professional uh, Myers-Briggs person. who had, It like, was actually Myers it, of it Myers-Briggs. Was, it was both Myers and Briggs. Is, Myers, and, is that a two-person thing or is that a hyphenated name? Uh, it's a two-person thing. I think it's a mom and daughter duo um, who are private eyes that solve what? crime. Shut up. No. Using profiles? No, I. Oh. No, I do, I do think it's a it's a mom. They're and, profiling. Oh my god! Yeah, I do think it's a it's a mom and daughter duo, um, from like a long time back. And your extroversion's off the charts. It is. It is. So everyone. So like we had some like some e's and some eyes. Uh, I, I don't, don't know what any of this means. You don't know Myers Briggs? No, I did it once, and I was like, "This is silly." All you those things be, are silly. You would be. I can tell you what I was. What were? But you? I kind of don't want to. Are we doing this? Are we showing our cards? Go. I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. Uh, I am an E-F-N-P. Dude, we are exactly opposite on like everything. Oh my God. Are you an ISFJ? ISTJ? INTJ. We're no both fucking ends. way. We're both N's. Oh, we're both N's. Okay. Yeah. I think I was either INTJ or INTP or something Dude, like that. There's no way. I don't you think you and I are at are all both, like. There's no way. <laughs> Quick, everyone everyone look this stuff up. <laughs> Hang on. Everyone profile us. Moment of silence. Okay, we're back. <laughs> Perfect. Um yeah, I, I so I don't think it's it's necessarily a cool framework to put someone in a box. <laughs> yeah, it, I get generally really uncomfortable these things. Generally not chill. Um but it's but it's useful um for like understanding how different people on your team might react differently to things or need different things to thrive. Okay. To thrive. I struggle with these because I think people idealize themselves or like what, what they think they want to be or what they think they are versus how they actually would act. This is my struggle with them. Like the, what was the something finder? There was like some assessment that was like really popular a few years back that we did at my old company. Everyone's just like posting these like next to their name tags outside their thing. Like, this is how I am. And I'm like, that's not true. Like (laughs) you'd like to. Well, that's the flaw in the, any self-assessment, right? I is know. Like, our, this is really... Our own perceptions of ourselves. I don't understand why people key. like stake things on I this. I don't think people do. I think Joel's just saying it's like a 
Yeah, data points. Yo, people put them in their Twitter bios. Nobody it's, does that. A lot of people do that. It's oh, douchier than mine. Um, so, <laughs> Wait, what's and your, mine's pretty douchey. What's your Twitter bio? Actually, I think right now. Uh, I don't follow you on Twitter, by the way, because I perfect. I don't, I've never heard you of you. Shouldn't, no one should follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, of course, I follow everyone. Like everyone who's ever followed me on Twitter now doesn't like since since the election. Basically, oh no, it's just like an influx of political tweets for me, and everyone's like, I don't want fifty what else political is there tweets right in a minute. What else is there? To there's tweet there's about. nothing else to tweet I don't about. Know. No, nothing matters. No, the- <laughs> okay, we got like four threads of conversation going, and I want right. to I want to figure out how to tie them together. But that is one thing that I've we're noticed, weaving. We're weaving is. Design Twitter has been so fundamentally different in the last three months, four months, than the four years before it that I can remember. Uh, it has been. It's like shifted from should designers code at being like the most dramatic and crazy and awful thing. It's just like, how could you say that? To being like actual real issues of just like, hey, yeah, as a like, designer, how are you thinking this way and why are you not like... Are you working engaged? on a product that violates human rights? Yeah, basically. Hey, are you building a Muslim registry? Are you helping That's, people? Yeah. Are you helping people? Are you hurting people is yeah. like another thing to think about. Yeah. Now we okay. have another thread of conversation. Okay, Let's, so Twitter bio. No, no, no. <laughs> so, oh, oh yeah. That's, uh, a, that's a quick to resolve one. <laughs> Myers-Briggs. What makes me happy? I found it. I found it. Nah. Um, so when we were doing this, everyone got like various levels of introversion, extroversion, and my level of extroversion was like absolutely off the charts, like maxed everything out. Um, and I think the thing that really gets me in flow, like the thing that I can do and not notice time go by is hang out with people and I hang out with like groups of people. So one-on-one is less, um, kind of fulfilling for me than being like in a place with a lot of people hanging out, like doing a board game night or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so doing that makes me extremely happy playing board games. What about in your work? Yeah. Um, Just not that. Actually, Generally not that. We never even asked. What are, you, what are you working on right now? Lots of things. Um, so the kind of one of the main projects I'm doing, uh, which is the first kind of more IC type project I've done in a while. So the first like hands-on stuff um, has been figuring out our 2017 customer experience roadmap. So which... Um, Where do you work? Yes. I work at DigitalOcean. Yes. There what we do you do? <laughs> what does DigitalOcean do? Or what, what do, do you do? do? I am a product design manager. Okay. Got DigitalOcean. Cool. Context out. Yes. Now. Context done. I should have had a better intro than like, I am Joel. You, you're like, I'm a, this Myers-Briggs thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hi, I'm I am Joel. I am ENFP. That's all you need to know. <laughs> you don't even need to know my name. Yes. Um... So what were we saying? So oh, you're what your am I project. working on? Yeah. So I'm I'm um, working on a vision to kind of take all of those things and put them together. Um, alongside that, sorry, I didn't really explain what that was. So a lot, all of our customer experience features, like the things that don't necessarily have to do with one of DigitalOcean's products, but have to do with like the whole experience from like the first time you use this to the bill. Um, which which ones of these do we prioritize? When, when do we build them? How do we build them? I'm working like directly with a, a PM. I've worked with a bunch in the past. And then one of the things I did for that is to get more buy-in from leadership. I'm like, these are the features we should build is kind of put together a holistic vision uh, of like a user journey of one of our personas through um, a system of like what DigitalOcean could be like in a year with all these features. Um, and 
we got buy-in, and so now I'm working on kind of the main one of those features, which is a, a big change in the mental model of how uh, infrastructure is done. Is this the first project you've ICed since becoming a product design manager? Yeah, pretty much. How's it feel? It feels really good. Yeah, it feels awesome. Uh, IC work is pretty fun. It is, yeah. The, working with people is much more complicated than working with ideas essentially and like you're still working with people but not in not in the way that managers have to how did you join DigitalOcean? were you a manager from the get-go no so i joined as our first product designer so there was like a designer already um but i joined as the first person with kind of like the holistic skill set of like i do visual design and full stack full stack designer full snack there we got it yeah we we have it on tape we got it on tape so I joined as the first product designer, and then I spent the first year working on a bunch of different f- things, like our first team accounts feature and how that would work, a lot of things around our verification flows and onboarding. Uh, we were doing all the front end back then, so all of the all the codes, I was writing tests at some point, um, lots of marketing stuff. Yeah, there's just like a ton of different varied projects. And then on the side, I was also interested in like, you know, what could be better here? Um, So we didn't have any data tracking. So I was like, we should probably integrate segment and figured out how that would work and figured out what data needs different teams had. Um, We don't have a really good recruiting process. Like it's so ad hoc and weird. And so I ended up doing that. And at some point it was just obvious we didn't really have uh, as much product design leadership as we needed. Um, and so it was kind of a natural transition into that. So this is something that happens at a lot of startups is the first designer becomes a manager. Did you feel like there was pressure for you to do it or was it something you wanted to step into or was it something you felt like, it sounds like you are an extroverted person who wants to work with a bunch of people. Um, but a lot of times it's just like, well, we don't want to piss off our first designer. Like how, how did you approach that? Yeah. Um, it wasn't that, um, and there were other designers there as well. Um, so the person who hired me uh, was a creative director there. Um, I think I, I wanted it. So I, I after a year at DigitalOcean, I kind of hit a point where I'm like, I don't feel like I'm growing because I'm uh, more or less the most experienced person here at product design, and there's no like way to organically grow just through collaboration with people. Um, and what is kind of my next step? Do I leave or do I stay and find like a reason to stay? Um, And I really appreciated my manager then. And I felt like I could learn a lot about management and kind of leadership through, through him. Um, His name is Jesse Chase, by the way. And he Mm -hmm. moved to us recently. You probably met him. I'm familiar with Jesse. Yeah. Um, I I don't know him, but I know who he is. (laughs) Yes. I also know who he is. (laughs) Um, No, you should meet him. He's, he's great. Is it Airbnb now? He's at Airbnb. Yeah. Um, and so I decided, like, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity. Like, I'm just like, okay, can I be a manager? They're like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, Have fun. Yeah, and since then, I've kind of been working on a lot of things that have been really interesting to me, like figuring out what our process is, like, as a as a product design org and actually building out that product design org. Um, doing a lot of how do we work with other teams? What is, like, how do we set our bar for for quality? Um, figuring out the style guide, figuring out our design principles, like a, a lot of different things. I want to 
dig into a couple of those. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. The bar for quality is an interesting one for me and something that I think Brent and I currently have a little bit of back and forth about is I don't feel like I have a lower bar for quality, but I feel like I have a willingness to ship below that bar and iterate towards it versus like building up to the bar and then shipping. Oh, I completely agree. Like you would agree that I think that is where you start is you start with what is shippable. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is an admirable quality, but how how, I have a very hard time with that. Like I have always had a very hard time with that. And I think that comes from a position of being comfortable and knowing that there's a paycheck coming, (laughs) right? (laughs) Which we don't have anymore (laughs) until we go get it. So, so how did you, how did you approach that specifically? Like this, yeah, quality bar at a growing organization that has a business behind it. Like, yeah, so ship shit, but you got to ship stuff, right? Yeah, you, we that was the bar stuff. <laughs> Any stuff? No, I a stuff. A one stuff. A, one stuff is better than per three product. stuffs. Yeah, we, one, we or one excellent stuff. We preferred not to ship three stuff per project. Yeah. The the kind of design principle was remove stuff until you have one stuff. One stuff, one stuff at a time. Um. I think I, I've gone, I think I've evolved here. So I started out as just like, you know, we need to ship a, a minimum viable, lovable product or whatever, like something that's... Minimum lovable product. <laughs> or whatever the co- saying is the, now. The coin collection grows. I, I didn't coin that one. Um, it's just the well, term... you could. A, Do you want to? Hey, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> I, I did too coin that other thing. Um <laughs> Anyway, so I, I started as like, you know, something has to be good enough to go out. If it's not good enough, it it speaks to us as a company and as a product. People will trust us less. Um, they won't, like, they, they'll see us as a lesser product if we do this. Um, and what I've found over time is that kind of attitude or mindset leads to paralysis more than anything and leads to like, oh, we can't ship this until it's good enough. And when is it good enough? Question mark. Um, And so now I have more of what you were talking about, which is a bias towards shipping and towards actually learning about something. Um, Yeah, I've also gone back and forth on like bar for quality and what that means. Uh, we have a product design checklist more than anything. It's not like this is the process that we have, but it's like if a design hasn't gone through these specific things, so like a heuristic evaluation with our principles and like a design review with the entire team for the final thing you're going to release and like user testing, then it's not going out. Can you actually share more about that? <clears throat> like maybe this is, you've done this a million times, but what is sure. that checklist? I think that tactical yeah. advice or feedback would be really cool. Yeah, so... Some of the checklists we do really well and kind of all the time. Other parts of it we've failed in in different parts. So like most processes at most companies. Like, (laughs) yes. Yes. If you take one thing away, sometimes you fail. Um, Yeah. So the checklist has six things and I'll see if I can remember what those six things are. Sure. Um, Number one is vet the idea. So you're working with a PM and I like trust in teams, but I also like when people check each other uh, and take feedback. Um, so when a PM comes in and is like, we need to do this thing to raise this metric, I expect designers to have a level of understanding of strategy to be like, is this the right thing that we're making? So the first thing is like, you have to vet the idea. I don't want to release a thing that you were just like, okay, let's do this. Sounds cool. Here's the thing. 
Um, the second thing is a thing has had to will have to have passed a design review. So we do daily design reviews, um, and all designers are present in those because they're also useful with like cross pollination of ideas. They're useful for like here's what's going on, so you know what's happening. Daily, daily thirty minute design reviews. Um, we so we did that for actually a long time. Very recently, we switched to like three times a week for an hour. Yeah, uh, and it's really cool. So. If you take a design review and you do it for 30 minutes or an hour, it still takes up the entire time and it's still super productive if you have like good cri- critiquers. Yeah. Critics. Critics sounds bad. Crit- criticists. <laughs> criticists. <laughs> Professional criticists. Yeah. So we have the daily design review uh, and we do that frequently. We don't just do that, oh, this is the thing I want to ship. We do that like throughout the entire process of just like, here's my first uh, discovery phase. And then here's my um, my first kind of sketch prototype thing that I made. And then here's the actual thing I'm thinking. Here's inter- iteration on that. Um, so in the past, we've done it where like designers actually presented every single week, um, no matter what kind of progress they've made which was pretty cool. Um, So the final thing you're going to ship has to have passed that. And every designer kind of on the team has to be like more or less like, yes, this is good enough to go out. Um, Which we've been kind of in really good sync as a team. So that hasn't been that much of a problem. So another way I, I try to raise the bar is by being kind of a harsh critic myself, not in like, this sucks, you know, this, this is terrible, but in, where can I provide constructive criticism that takes this beyond where you would take this otherwise? Um, so like, have you thought about this? Have you done like, how much rigor is in your process here? Uh, and I found that as I do that more, people on the team do it more and then it kind of becomes sustainable. Define rigor yeah, in this context, please. Is that talking about like the process itself and how like well-defined it is or is that something else? It's about the process itself. It's not necessarily about how well-defined it is. It's about how much due diligence have you done. So have you made one thing and you're like, this is the thing, let me iterate on it. Or have you gone wide and made like 10 things and then figured out the specific thing you could? Do you think it is a, there is a specific right way to do that? No, no. I, I mean, my process changes every year. It'd be really dumb and dogmatic to say today's process is the right one because it's not going to be my process tomorrow. Um, I'm familiar with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think maybe maybe the right word here is ambition. So people like sometimes uh, there's a lot of weight on you in, in any kind of product organization and like a lot of past baggage of just like, oh, I've tried to do this and I couldn't do this and I tried to do that and I couldn't do that. And then all that weight is weighing me down to like doing this one thing and being like, it's good enough. Right. And we see that with even the best designers. And so what that ambition thing I'm talking about is, is bringing back a little bit of, could this be better? Could this be new? Could this be like something that excites me as a design? Um, And when it's not, I kind of try to push people. Yeah. So not me excites me. I mean, excites them. Cool. Yeah. So You've vetted the idea. It's gone through, ideally, several design reviews. Yes. Um, user testing. Yeah. So final thing you want to release, even if it's an MVP, has gone through a certain amount of user testing, and we've gone back and forth on what the number is. It's kind of arbitrary, but it's like between 5 and 10. Okay. Um, users? Users. Or, ten, or percent. Uh, yeah, all of 
10% of our users in person. Um, oh, it's a very long person. process. Yes. Uh, no, yeah, five to 10 users usually for like the final version. Um, we've gotten actually much, much better at user testing. And so we do it throughout the entire process now. At this point, has anything been built or we're talking about prototype? Uh, like handing someone a prototype on a phone or, or paper yeah. prototyping? Uh, depends on the designer. I, again, I don't like to be dogmatic about like you have to do it this way. Um, that's why the checklist exists. It's like do it in whichever order you want, but make sure that whatever you're you're actually going to end up shipping is this. That's an interesting point. A checklist doesn't have to go in order. No, it doesn't. But like I was thinking about it, I was like, this is the next thing. You do this thing next. Like I'm going to vet the idea last. I mean... <laughs> So, I mean, there's some common sense built <laughs> into it. Certainly, there's some common sense. Thank you. Thank you. Obviously, if you do a lot of user testing throughout the process, you're not going to get to the last point and be like, I tried to user test this and they don't get it at all, right? But the last thing has to have gone through user tests successfully. Um, What else? What else is there? Three out of six. Did I say six? I meant three. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, ah, another sure, thing sure. is, so the last thing on the list, and then I'll figure out the other two, no is uh, add data tracking. So as a designer, I this has to do something, right? And we track larger kind of trends like acquisition, active users, um, things like that. Um, but as a design, what makes this successful? How do we check, like, is it time to value? Is it like how many people land on this page? Like, what are the things that will validate this? Um and that's so that's one of the things and that's what, one of the places we failed um i think a because of lack of tooling so like a bit of a legacy code base and then lack of resources um as in we haven't had someone who specializes in analytics or we haven't had um engineers on every team who have known like how our data model is structured um but that's a thing that i've always thought was really important what have you learned from that? And the in the back of my head, I'm thinking about what we're building today, and we just track a bunch of stuff. Just track people click it because right now we don't we have just track things. We have no data analysis, things. so we're saying it's better to just track everything within obviously like reasonable bounds, and then no everything, it, everything figure it out later. Yeah, like how, how do you how do you think about what's worthwhile to track and no. <laughs> figuring out if you tracked the right thing after the fact. I think of uh, like sometimes it's important to track time on site, but if you over-index on that metric, then maybe the long-term you tracked the wrong thing, right? Yeah. Um, so I've had a lot of conversations with the people at Segment. Um, I don't know if everyone knows Segment, but they like our data pipeline tool thing. Figma's office used to be Segment's office. Oh, oh cool. Really? Was it kind of the warehousey one, the open space? Yep. Yeah. I love that office. It's a good spot. Um, yeah. So so they we had some conversations and like uh when we were doing this integration thing, and one of the uh best practice kind of tips that they gave us is like, you know, you can actually track too little and then you don't have enough things, really, but you can also track too much. Uh and then that just makes it really hard to work with your data source. Because you have like every single event in there. Um, what I what I like to do, uh, and what I don't think we've done that well at DigitalOcean so far, um, is bias towards more. Um, because like sometimes you have historical questions that you just can't get answered. 
because we're like, oh, we're not tracking that one thing. And you're like, but that's the one thing I need, you know? It's, yeah. It's, it can get really frustrating uh, to not like be able to answer a, a really important question. Yeah. Yeah. Probably though, since I haven't found a ton of success in this, I'm not the right person to ask. Okay. Yeah. I think a lot about... Uh, thought that was part of the stack, Joel. Yeah, I, I have a limited stack. Tilted stack. I I think a lot about uh, the metric itself is a thing, but the metric over time, over long periods of time, and the metric over like uh, one user over time is much harder to, to analyze. So for example, uh, here's a concrete example. On Spectrum, we made it so you can react to someone's message uh, in a chat. Right, huge mistake. So you can just add like a little Across the board. a little heart on someone's message, right? And so in the short term, what we see is a spike of people doing that. It's like, oh wow, people are doing the thing that we built them to do. But the question is, in the long term, does having a lightweight feedback mechanism that requires no investment result in lower conversation rate, like less people posting messages? Does it result in uh, less people feeling like? They're getting value by posting stories, right? Versus just going to other people's stories and leaving messages. There's all these downstream effects that we have no idea. And so I get hung up on that when we think about tracking data is, I don't even fucking know if we're doing the right thing. I have, I, I can coin a term for that. Oh, please Like right do. now, do you want one? Yeah. Uh, it's called LinkedIn endorsement syndrome. Well, that, that is uncomfortable. <laughs> right? Because like Tell endorsements, because like, if they look at engagement over endorsements, they probably like skyrocket, right? But then no one values endorsements anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, oh, it's so easy to give someone to someone. And this person I went to high school who's like a nurse just endorsed me for like ASP or whatever. Like, cool. Bef- why'd you do that? Before I quit LinkedIn, my dad would randomly endorse me for things that he knew nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> it's very entertaining. No, but I, I mean, that's a perfect thing uh, or, or way to describe his yeah, you, you can track numbers of things that people do, but is it the right thing in the first place? Yeah. No, that's that's a really great example. Yeah. Um, so have you removed it? Is it still there? No, we still have it. I, I actually, <laughs> I think the, the famous example here, probably exactly parallel is when uh, Saleo and the Facebook team were building the like button. The question they had was, will this reduce comments across the system? If people feel like they can say cool without having to type cool, right? Uh, and I think it ended up working out. Yeah. I mean, do you want comments that say cool if a like means the same thing? Well, then we're dribble. Yeah. I mean, it would be great. Nice if, colors. Cool <laughs> gradients. It would be awesome if dribble just like started adopting like, oh, giving something a heart means cool and I cannot it just also auto say it. says cool gradient. <laughs> auto comment, cool. One of the tags is gradients. It says cool gradients. <laughs> That, that would actually be the worst. Um, it's, it's a great feature. There was a Dribble a comment good. generator for a while. Do you oh, remember yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. I would go through, <laughs> okay, friend of a friend <laughs> complained about Dribble comments one day. So I went through the generator and up, like up, like copy pasted the generator into all of his pieces. <laughs> nice colors. Thing. Yeah. Uh, dope, dope art, man. Dope. Check out my stuff. <laughs> Press L for like. Oh, what my happened? God. What happened to online design feedback? It does it just was not it work? Ever, was <clears> it ever happened? I remember. Were you guys on Forest? No. Forest. I, I, Forest. I don't. Th- 
can it work? Forced. Like, are you ever going to get meaningful feedback not, from someone not, on an online forum that doesn't work at your company? Are you going to get really good feedback? You could, but there's like so much context building That's there. That's right, yeah. I think it works really well for junior designers who are just like, here's a thing that I, I mean, you guys have a, you guys have a critique thing. With Dan. Yeah. Oh, you don't anymore? Inspect. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we, uh, that was very hard to do because the goal was to always have like a well-known designer as like the co-host or whatever. It's hard to schedule people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Forrest was really good for a while and this is going to sound shitty, but I think it's actually kind of accurate is like once you have an open community. Um, so when, when it's kind of an exclusive community and you can curate what kind of, um, design skills come in there or what kind of design experience comes in there, then you can, you can build a community of like, here are people who know how to critique. Here are people who like Mm -hmm. understand the value of critique, uh, as you open it up. And I do inherently believe that things should be open. You just can't do that. Like dribble used to be great. I think when it started, Dribble used to be much better than it is now. There were like wireframes all Designer over. Designer News was the same case. Once yeah, it opened when yeah. up, it when went Kelly to started that. it and yep. it was like a small thing. It I, was really great at first. Yeah. There's a tipping point, yeah. I think there's some aspect of the people who have the most time to be on the platform have the least to offer to the others on the platform. Mm. That's interesting. I'm hesitant to paint in broad strokes, but I, I know what you're getting at. Um like I'm on Twitter all day and I have really good tweets to offer, but still they're probably less valuable. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You should get off Twitter. Yeah. It's like they say, like, you know, the, the designers, you know, are like you said, well-known designers, not to like, like I'm, I'm probably quote unquote, one of these like people you see too much of, um, the really fucking amazing designers you've never heard of, like, cause their heads yeah. down doing the work. I think Adam McKellar had something about this a while back. Uh, yeah. He said, who should I? It was who should I like learn from that is doing this incredible work? And he's like, they're not on here. Yeah, yeah, they're not on Twitter. That's sad. They're in like a really exclusive kind of dribble somewhere. <laughs> We're not. They're on Twitter. Too. We don't know about it. Yeah, if Electric we've heard boogie. of you, you can't come here. It's like uh, that dating app that's for Ivy League people only. Ugh. Gross. Isn't there like a Tinder Pro or something? I think that's it. <laughs> or something. God. We're off track. Yes. But I know where we were. So we originally came at this because you had transitioned into management. So we got to talking about like some of the goals you had. And one of those was raising the bar of quality. My next question is, what's been the hardest part about that transition into management? How how long have you been PD manager? Yeah, I've been a manager for a year and a half. Okay, yeah. Most of that time was spent without anyone above me. So Jesse left pretty early into the management phase. Uh, and then it was just me reporting up to like the CPO and then a VP product and then the CTO. And so that's a lot of levels There's a lot of bosses. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so there's been a lot of like structural things that I've had to learn how to deal with managing down. So like what I mean by that is like people management and then growth paths, one on ones, um, performance reviews, helping people like deal with stuff, dealing with fires, all that has always been satisfying and came kind of naturally. Um, And I was also engaged with it. So I started, I read Managing Humans and Crucial Accountability and a bunch of things. And last time I was on, I kind of talked about the start of this and I was like wide-eyed and naive. Yeah, Um, That was was, a year and a half ago. Yeah, November Uh, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I started July of 2015. Yeah, so it's been a bit over a year and a half, actually. Yeah, and so I went through management training. I did a lot of stuff. And that part was like, okay, if I can focus on this, this is the best thing ever. Like you see people succeeding, you see people engaged and happy, and you're like, I did that. And it it feels really good. Um, the big struggles with management is like, how do I manage up and make sure the design team gets what it needs and kind of build the process into the company at large and like get people to understand the value of design. So a lot of stuff we've done has been around building trust for the design team. One thing about the design team was we were extremely tight-knit, like really tight-knit. We were like a family, like as cliche as that is, but like we loved each other. We hung out all the time. Um, there was absolutely zero drama, which was which was kind of special. Like seeing like zero, zero drama is is kind of rare. But one of the side effects of that was we were so siloed and like doing our own thing that no one else knew what we were doing. Uh, and no one else knew that we were doing anything. You Who know? even They're... cares? There was no drama. <laughs> yeah. So, so... As I started leading the team, that was one of the main pieces of feedback I got. Like I, I started by talking to leadership and talking to other teams and being like, where could we be better? What could we, we be doing? Um, and that was one of the main points. So I started doing things related to that. And then structural things like Dio, I joined when we were 60 people. I started managing when we were, I think, about 100. Um, now we're like almost 300. So it's gone through as like all companies do like a lot of growing pains, a lot of like reorgs, a lot of like figuring out how to be a big company. Um, so as a manager, you see the inner workings of that more than as an IC. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to deal with that and you have to shield people and there's like limited things that you can say. The shit umbrella. The shit umbrella. Yeah. Yeah, um, that has been a big part of my job. And there's, a, so so when you're a manager, you're in like this kind of awkward position where you are advocating for your team and you're protecting your team. And you're also a representative of the company. And so you're worried about the company's interests and like aligning with leadership and things like that. And so this is like a really awkward middle ground between these two things, especially when there's any conflict. And it's like, I can't talk to anyone about these struggles other than peer managers, because this isn't a burden that I would want any of my reports to have. Um, yeah. So Three. some of the difficult. There's some pretty great managers at that company. Dio. Yeah. yeah we have amazing manager training. We, we really put a lot of stuff in it. I got to meet Jenna Zygan on a plane. Oh, cool. I sat next to her and Ihani at Kachuku. Nice. Which was the best row I've ever had on a flight. <laughs> it was out of nowhere, just on a flight from San Francisco to New York. And I was like, I kind of recognize that guy from the internet. Don't know for sure. And then Jenna starts doing like digital ocean work. I'm like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're good. Nice. Man, tech is small. I know. Especially um, here. Yeah. Ihani is uh, incredible and Jenna's really, really great. And I brought Ihani in. Uh, so I want to brag about that a All little right. bit. Cool. Yeah, bragger. Are we are we done with that full stack bragger? <laughs> you should I, check out Ihani's uh, podcast, Two Black Nerds. Yeah, it's very listen good. to it. It's awesome. Ihani and Romeo uh, do awesome work. Yes, link in the show notes, everyone. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. By you, I meant listener. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, not you, Joel. The uh, sorry, I I'm not used to this podcasting thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've never done this before. So we get. 
by doing what we do, we get to hear from a lot of folks and hear some of their struggles. And this is one of the common struggles is as a manager being in between uh, your team and leadership and having to, in some cases, sell the value of design to leadership, especially if you're reporting to like a CTO or CPO, like how do you get them the resources? But, but and, what even is design? People, yeah, yeah, but what even is design? Uh, is, is that there, the question? No, no, that's, that's what today like, started. Not, no, 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 not, no, 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 no. Today, are, are That was there, a medium post that started today. Are there useful levers you found that you can pull or like things that you found to be more effective than not when it came to working with leadership and explaining why your team needs X, like a resource yes. or a hiring budget or whatever it might be? Yes, and I've gotten way better at this as as I've progressed. Um, one, of, one of the cool things about DigitalOcean is... The reason that we found our initial success was through design. And I don't think they thought about it that way initially, but it was just like, oh, spinning up a droplet, which is what uh, Dio calls a um, virtual private server, takes a couple of clicks, right? And the mental model is really easy because we only have one thing um, versus uh, another person in the space like AWS uh, who you open and you're like, oh, they have 50 oh, things. Oh, what do I do with this now? These, <laughs> Oh, man. This is a I lot of stuff. I don't know what these icons mean. <laughs> right. And it's not a bad product, right? It was, it's powerful and it has a lot of like really good things baked in. Um, and it was designed by engineers, right? So not not like a, a hit on it, right? And they've, their cadence for shipping is is really amazing and they've, they have a ton of things, right? It's super powerful. Um contrast that with DigitalOcean where you open it and you're like, oh, that was super easy. What What is mm-hmm. this? And so that took us to like number two in terms of web-facing servers. Um, and so... Yo, the Help Center articles though, oh my God, they're so good. That's also, that's another that's thing, right? That's huge. We have an amazing community team full of like technical Holy writers, shit, they're community so good. managers. Yeah, we put a lot of effort into that. Good, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're incredible. That's, yeah. So this has been a benefit at having that in the company's history as like, hey, design is it, it's influential. Yeah, it's something to point to. And it's something that I think I've been successful at, at getting people on board and getting like that to be baked into the narrative people tell themselves about like why we're here where we are. So within the company, this kind of thing of like, oh, Dio was like simple, right? Or like fast, I took it to like Dio was well designed and that's why we were successful. Um, and there wasn't like, this wasn't like, ha, I did everything. This is more like the materials were there and it was just like, how can we get, cl- how can we get closer and closer to people understanding that, you know, simplicity and actually I, I don't love the word simplicity. I prefer clarity or something. Um, cause uh, designers and semantics, right? Um, but what even are words? What are words? Do you want to, cl- do you want to clarify what you mean? I mean, simplicity. Do you want to coin a term for it? <laughs> I probably could. Um, <laughs> uh, simplicity is kind of an antonym to complexity mm-hmm. and I'm not like, yeah, people call it reducing complexity, but there is a lot of complexity built into the tool. And I, one of the the things I kept hearing when people said simple is not powerful. And so I preferred a word like intuitive or clear, which is this tool does a lot. It's your infrastructure, like is really important. It's not just like this, like in the back end, it's super complex. Here is a really easy interface to, to like talk to that back end. Um, 
And so it is like a tiny semantic difference. I like it. Um, internally, we have simplicity. Um, <laughs> but with the, with the context that it means something else. It means something different. Yes. Clarity. Um, Wink. Yeah. <laughs> I'm winking at the microphone. I did that. I don't know why. what I expected that to do. No, we heard it. Uh, <laughs> give it a little butterfly kiss. <laughs> Doesn't is work. That, Doesn't make any called? noise. Okay. Um, <laughs> where was I? I don't know. <laughs> That's the painful thing. Felicity. Oh, um, getting people kind of on board. Yeah. Um, so... That's now our first company value is like simple solutions. And it's the first line in our quarterly board deck is like simple solutions. This is what is going to make us great and successful. So it wasn't an uphill battle in terms of like, hey, design is important. It was just proving, hey, we know our shit. Um, We can execute on this. Uh, And what you've referred to all this time is like, Simple and easy is design, and that's what we're here to do. So in, in terms of like actually selling things to, to uh, execs or to people who are d- decision makers or in a position to decide what to do, um, which is also called a decision maker, one way I've found of going about that is first showing the work. So people, when you first talk to them, unless you've already built trust, they tend to think, oh, you just pulled this answer out of a hat. Right, you designed this pretty solution. You want us to do it, and it's like, no, I've actually done all this due diligence here. Like, look at it. Um, so, documentation can be really important. Either documentation or including them in the process, which is something we've started doing way, way more often uh, and consistently and successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other thing is never go into a room and pitch the same thing to all of your execs because they will disagree in that room so one of the tricks is just like take the various stakeholders and pitch it to them separately and then pitch it to them at once after you've kind of ironed out all of the disagreements oh god that's so much work it is a i mean design's a lot of work and it's half just like dealing with people brian you only have two stakeholders to talk to (laughs) In fact, you don't even have to talk to us most of the time. Just ship the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't like talking. Sorry, we keep diverting this to Spectrum. It's, <laughs> it's been an That's interesting okay. Moment. Hey, everyone, use Spectrum. Yeah. It's great. Sick plug. You Wink. mentioned... you meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Use it. You mentioned uh, in, in the early days, it was the designers that were writing the tests and, and implementing the front end. And Jesus, yes. Doing some Is that still the case? No. When did that change? The moment I became a manager. God dang it. <laughs> Should designers code, guys? You ruined it. Um, what happened? We were writing tests. Yeah. No, why Why should designers write tests? Like, <laughs> when, should designers write tests? No. We, thank um, you. Thank you. We were writing tests instead of doing user research, right? Instead of, like, having more ambitious designs, instead of doing more iterations. So, like, every time you do one thing, it, there's, like, a trade-off. And I'm not saying it's not good for a designer to know how to write tests or it's not good for them to like be familiar with the concept of like test-driven development. Um, but if you take a designer who is first and foremost a designer and then secondarily a developer and you make them write the tests, you're going to get tests that aren't as good. And good tests are really important. Uh, and nah. <laughs> Just wing it. <laughs> 
sh- ship your database config in your public image file. It's cool. <laughs> just just wing it when you're dealing with other people's infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wink. Yeah, I'm still winking. I'm just I've been winking continuously yeah, at the microphone. But it's weird you're uh, doing I think it. It's with, called an eye twitch. With, yeah, yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> I've been winking my whole life. <laughs> I just thought I was charming. <laughs> But in oh, fact, I could have helped you with that. In <laughs> fact, I need to see a doctor. So you stopped writing tests. We all stopped writing tests. Uh, we seemed stopped. smart. <laughs> it it turned out to be so. No more tests. DigitalOcean. That's the tagline. <laughs> that is not the tagline. <laughs> I am not signing off on it. DigitalOcean testing free. Trust us with your shit. Yeah, trust us with your shit. That's that's we're a tagline. shark. Yeah. it's a trusty shark. That's what we call it, the trusty shark. No, it's Sammy the shark. We love it. Sorry, this has been this has gone weird. So, so no, we don't we don't code anymore. We do work very closely with engineers. We do give them very uh, clear specifications for what we want, and then we don't just throw it over the wall. Um, designers also are expected to understand technical constraints and like know what we can do or what we can't do, and collaborate very frequently from the get-go one of the big you know we joked about design twitter earlier but one of the big hooplas of the last week has been whiteboarding exercises for designers and design exercises Mm -hmm. and you mentioned you do have a framework of things you look for so could you share a little bit about how you've approached hiring and like what you found to be effective in identifying these traits of people that you're looking for and do you do whiteboard exercises or Yes. What is it? So we used to have a homework assignment. When I started, um, I did one. We changed it. I actually like I, I wrote, I kind of released that as a blog post, how I got hired by DigitalOcean. Link if you in Google, the show notes. If you Google how I got hired is the first thing. Damn. Yeah. SEO expert If you're right Joel here. Khalifa and you <laughs> Google it. If it's in your browser history. I it'll wonder. Be is I it th- just me? You should try it. We, in, should, we should check it out. Incog. We know you're looking for you, Joel. <laughs> we know you just want to see yourself. Quick, everyone Google it. What what comes up? Click on that. You do it. That's the that's the sketchiest way of getting views of just like, can you guys check this for me in bulk? Yeah. Um I'll two, let's see what happens. Coin a term for that. All two million of our listeners. It's gonna bog down your site, dude. Coin a term for that? Yeah. Um podcatching. And that's already a thing. Really? Really? So you should just coin it, I guess. Podcatching. Cool. <laughs> Fuck <it>. coin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We should just dive into this. So the story here <laughs> is that <laughs> I released a portfolio in 2014, mid 2014. And I was looking for a way to describe myself um, because I, I did want to be like, oh, you should hire me because I know front end pretty well. And I am a visual designer more or less. And I'm like, I have a UX methodology background. Uh, and the thing I landed on, which I had not seen before, uh, was full stack designer. Um, did you do a trademark search before you coined it? <laughs> I did not do a trademark search. <laughs> so that, that's basically what people asked you on Twitter, which was, I that, mean, it was pretty great. funny to watch. Were, <laughs> it was funny. It was funny for me too. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so full stack designer, which which was not something I'd seen before, and then either because of me or because it was just like an obvious fucking term. Um, after that, uh, 
you started seeing it everywhere. So the portfolio wasn't just like, here's a portfolio. It also kind of went viral. It was like the top voted thing on designer news for the next year or so. And after that, you started seeing job postings for full stack designer. You started seeing people use full stack designer. So I was like, that's probably me, yo, because that's the kind of person I am. It's just awful. Um, <laughs> just awful. And then I started doing way back searches for every single thing that I saw as full stack designer. And they were all after. We need um, like a, a can some private eye come in after. Khalifa. Yeah, yeah. B, C, and A. Take that, John Gold. <laughs> Take it. Yeah, I don't know. So do you still consider yourself that? John Gold for hire. Um, yes, I still consider myself that. Um, part of the stack is now management. Mm-hmm. Um, Tall stack. I know to like everyone is to a certain extent, but I've always been a generalist just because I'm just like, oh, I like solving problems. But if everyone yeah. is, then nobody is, right? Everyone can be Whoa. a full stack. Everyone can be, <sighs> but not everyone blown. is. Oh, I, if all stacks are the same height. No, 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 no. I'm saying... Is it even a stack or is it just half of a thing? Anybody can be a, if we're going to get full stack designer, sure. but not everyone is. I would be careful with that. Sure. So I think most people, uh, at least these days and within tech, don't have the privilege of focus, right? So we used to have, I am a UX designer. I'm going to make wireframes all day. I mean, that was for like two years, right? It was sure. for a long time. No. It come wasn't on. it wasn't just in tech. It was agencies like yeah. where'd product designer come from? It came from like years and years and years well, of product like, design came from like legitimate like industrial design work, right? Like, no, we just stole their title. <laughs> no, UX designer has UX design came from like software design, came from, like it's existed for like thirty years. They just didn't really have they've changed the name every like five years. Yeah, I mean that's what we're arguing about is like terminology, right? So yeah. I don't know. But I mean Jakob Nielsen very excited about this right now. Wait, what? Jakob Nielsen? What the about UX guy? Yeah, what about him? Didn't he coin the term UX designer? <laughs> just like I should know this, right? I should <laughs> know all about coin is part I, of my I coin know about coinage. Coinist. Yeah. Uh no, I don't know. He has some dope heuristics though. You feel like most designers in tech right now are in that full full stack designer range. I feel like a generalist. I feel like, yes, I feel like it's harder to get opportunity if you're not to some extent. If everyone's the stack, is there a stack? Yeah. No, that's the point. Like, I mean, it's, it's a good question. I, so you'll still find agency. So my first job was a visual designer at an agency. So not not first job, first design job. Not embarrassing job. Okay. Um, not first, first design job, job either. I've had embarrassing oh. design jobs. Oh, okay. Um, but the the first kind of full-time thing I did was an agency where I was a visual designer working with a UX team in kind of a waterfall-y way. Um, and you've had that for years. Like agencies, like a lot of agencies are still modeled that way. And someone can be like, okay, let me focus just UX. Which UX is like a kind of dumb term, but I'm only going to do wireframes and Axior prototypes, mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then another guy is like, I'm going to take those prototypes and I'm going to make them pretty. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to do all day. And I'm, I'm going to slap love it. that coat of paint on them. It's going to be real luscious. Yeah. And then I'm going to put it on a four, 45 degree angle and I'm going to get those L's. So many L's. <laughs> a little bit of a blur. Yeah. But like tech doesn't really have that anymore, right? You're a tiny startup. You need everyone to wear all the hats, right? You're just like, so oh, many hats. Do you do you do UX though? And someone's like, no, what is that? It's like, okay, peace, right? It's like, do you code? It's like, no. 
okay, well, we need someone who codes. So it's just like the bar is raised because everyone is kind of conforming to this. I mean, John Maida just wrote like a, a thing about like, if you want to survive in design, you got to learn to code. I thought I wonder that if John Maida codes. I, yes. I thought the title was... Is that true? Yeah, no, he 100% codes. He gave me he gave me a book once called like The Little Schemer. It's taught ski. Oh shit, I need that. Yeah. He no, he he's he has like an MIT background. He's he's legit. I I thought the title was hyperbolic. Uh I, like it's kind of how I generally feel. You can feel. still survive. Uh it, yeah. it, it felt like a headline. Um Wait till you see my empathy is bad for design blog post. Oh no. Yeah. You're kidding. It's happening. Can we talk about it? Yes. Tell me more. Okay. Gonna, you, let's gonna, find out if I'm serious. I will. Well, first of all, I know I would. It sounds like I a sarcastic clickbait Click this title. link because it's clickbait, yes. but I'll reserve the bait part until you tell me more. Yes. So is it clickbait? Yes. Okay. Is there like a nice thing attached to that bait? Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, so is what, the hook good? <laughs> so uh, when I was doing... Uh, full stack anxiety in, at hybrid conference um, in Berlin, uh, which is um, absolutely amazing. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, and there, were, there were a lot of really good people and we hung out a lot kind of outside of it after every day. Um, one of those days I hung out with a designer who cannot feel empathy physically. Okay. Isn't that called a sociopath? Not a sociopath, no. So I thought that was what hanging out with this person, and this person is a friend of mine. Um, you don't feel it, just like at all. But yeah, but it's it's someone who just physically cannot feel empathy, and I don't know how to label that. I but think it's sociopath, whether or not the person act like does anything crazy. There's different contexts yeah, for yeah, yeah. that, but sure. I don't know. Um, great guy. Okay. Um, and we had this conversation where it's just like what like how are you a designer like how you don't feel empathy what how's this work right and he said well i just don't make any assumptions i just like test things so i i have an idea i put it out there i see if it works and i see if it's doing what it has to do so there's like quantitative data there's qualitative data um and that's that's how he works. How he goes through life is kind of similar. He's like bootstrapped empathy. He sees how things, how what kind of reaction things get, and he's built a list um, in his head that's become second nature. They're just like, oh, like I know not to do this thing or to do this thing as part. He's just like he has empathy, but it's artificial empathy, and he has more insight into the things that he does than we do because we're just like oh i naturally do this shit i don't need to think about it um so the cool thing about this or or like the the reason i have this like hyperbolic title of this blog post that i haven't fully written yet is when we use empathy we tend to use it as oh what is what is the most important trait for a designer the thing you hear the most kind of in the sphere and like blogs and anything is gradients it's gradients sorry (laughs) that's what i meant and after that short second uh empathy yeah yeah um and and through this conversation that kind of struck me as odd it's like oh you know what when people say empathy they just mean a shortcut they just mean like oh as a designer i have this magic pill here 
and it's empathy and I understand a user. And it's like, no, you don't. You're a white dude in SF. You don't understand anything. You understand how you use this product. And that's why we have the kind of products we have, right? It's because I think that I have empathy and that I understand whoever is using this around the world. And there's ways to build that empathy. But every time you like rely on it, even for a second in your designs, you're building all of your biases into it. You're building all of your, like all of the things that, that you've experienced into the designs, all of your needs. Because you're like, I know I'm not this user, but I understand this user. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't understand them. But that's the point. Uh, I, I get what you're saying, but isn't that the like definition of the word empathy is the like attempting to set aside that to try and understand. It's like I am attempting with the context I've been given to understand a person in that situation. The, and while I can't sympathize with them because I'm not in that situation, I can at least try. I can try and put myself in their shoes and get close, right? I can try and move a little bit towards that marker of really solving a problem for them. Yes. So you can try, but so when people... I think empathy is a really powerful Kickstarter of just like, I have more or less of an idea what would work here through my experience with people and because I'm kind of tuned into people and the way they behave. I know what might work and that's going to be a start. So it's, it's really good for like that initial creativity. But then you get beyond that and it's like, people don't treat it as like, I think this might work, right? Some people do to an extent, but you're always just making guesses and they might be educated to some level and probably they're educated to a much lower level than you think they are. And it's it, it acts as a sort of crutch, I think, and a sort of like get out of jail free card for I don't need to do 10x user testing because I have empathy. I can do less user testing and then fill in, fill in those gaps because I'm a designer and I get people. But you know what I mean? It's when you make assumptions using empathy as an excuse that it's problematic, right? Not empathy at its core. No, I mean, I'm not saying everyone should not be empathetic towards each other. Hey, maybe don't be empathetic. <laughs> Just use data. It's all good. Yeah, so I'm not... This isn't like a Google 42 shades of blue kind of thing. It's, it's really just we should check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Before we wreck ourselves. Yeah, we should check ourselves before before we kind of dive into empathy. So, I mean, take any startup. Literally just point at a startup and nine out of ten chances, they've never done a user interview because their designer knows what design is. Right? And like... But, okay. Yes. The odds of that person succeeding or that startup succeeding are lower because they haven't talked to a user, right? Yeah, they're but lower. I think... I th- but sometimes they become Snapchat. I, like I think I get what you're saying, but I also what Snapchat? It, it gets fuzzy in, in the meanings here. Like I think a good designer will do a user test to build empathy with that person, and after that conversation, will have more empathy for the person they are solving problems for. So it's not that you don't want empathy; it's that the goal should be to build that towards the person you're building products for, right? Sure. Yeah. So there is some fuzziness in how we're using. How we're using the term. Sure. Um, I think you can build understanding for a user. And part of that is like, so let me try and define empathy as I'm thinking about it. We could also just pull up a dictionary, but go. We could pull oh, up a good. dictionary. Oh, good. We'll be those people. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the thought that <laughs> no, went no, through no, Tell me what you got. Nicer. Tell me what you got. Um, if it's cool to debate this. Yeah, no, sure. Um, so empathy in my mind is like my ability 
to put myself in your shoes and feel your feelings and understand your experiences, right? I put that, I define that differently from my understanding of your experiences. Because something built into empathy, I think, is really the ability to sync with another person to like a larger extent than just understand them. And what you're building... So you're just you- describing vibing it and keeping it tight, right? Like that's basically what you're saying. God More damn it, Bryn. <laughs> you should make a like print a shirt out that says that. I just really like that phrase so yeah. much. <laughs> Do you want to repeat it? No. Okay. <laughs> you missed it. Um, yeah. So I think like you're building understanding for that person, which I define like slightly differently from empathy in that it doesn't have this built in expectation of like, I really, really get you. And like caring about that person, I think is just built into your role as a designer. Like if you don't, why are you a designer? That's not empathy. That's just your job is to cater to these people is to like advocate for whoever's using your stuff. Um, so really like the point of the blog post isn't like empathy is bad for, for product design because you know, it is a clickbaity shitty title. Um, but it's, let's think about this. Let's like check ourselves when we think we understand our users. Let's look into like our privilege and our built in biases, right. And our unconscious biases, um, and see how those affect our understanding of our users. Right. And we'll never know, right. That's the, that's the bottom line here is like augment everything you do with user research. Yeah. I think I agree with you. I would say just like among the spectrum of bad designers to good designers, the good designers are better at being self-aware of their own biases and when those biases are leading the product in a wrong direction. Like to be better is to be able to know when to set that aside for the real person who's using the thing you've built. Yeah, I think that's definitely one facet of like as designers get more experience, they check themselves more. I think. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. That's my bias. Yeah. I have, I, I check designer news and I always seem to see you in the comments and you're always giving helpful feedback and you're always giving useful advice and honest answers. Why do you do that? (laughs) Why do you spend your time on the internet responding to people? I don't know. Sometimes, um, I like mentorship and I like coaching. I like teaching. So that's one of the reasons I speak, Um, not just because I get to fly to cool countries, but because people are like, after I do the full stack anxiety talk, there's, there's a part during the talk where I'm like, the first half of the talk is like amping people up and like, oh my God, how anxious are you right now? And then I go, who feels this way? And then everyone raises their hand. And the cool part is like, what comes next is everyone looks around, they're like, whoa, because they had lived through this experience on their own um, and they didn't understand that this is just like so universal. And so that gave them... So helping people in in a sense like that, and that's like one of the main reasons I keep doing this talk because I'm like, that's so cool what just happened now. And people have come come to me afterwards and they're just unanimously talk about that moment. Mm -hmm. Um. And then comments online are kind of the same thing. And like, I, I teach at general assembly too. Mm -hmm. Um, Something about teaching is 
really satisfying for me and like scratches an itch that only mentorship and teaching can really do. And I feel like that's part of why I enjoy being a manager too. Um, and that's why I comment on designer news. Also because designer news is often so negative as like, and design Twitter as well. And almost most open communities, except for Dribble, um, are, because Dribble is just like dumbly positive and shallow. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. Is it? Uh, I've seen it. I've seen it like get political. And, yeah. and the political stuff gets really interesting. Yeah. 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 So, or, seen... or if you put a boob on there, then it's problematic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that. God. So, I, I think I've seen the bad parts of designer news and I've also seen the good parts of it. And there's a few commenters there that I think are really amazing and, and kind of go out of their way to provide really great constructive criticism. A lot of like young designers are like, check out my portfolio, right? And there's no, nothing is inherently bad about check out my portfolio. And then they just get a barrage of like, why did you do this? Why do you do this? Why do you do this? Instead of like really like the kind of critique that you've experienced at Facebook and I've experienced like in my past roles and like, things that aren't available to someone who's just like, I'm doing this by myself and I'm trying to figure it out. And so it's nice both to to write those comments and know that they get some kind of message through um, and and like people are getting some value out of it and also reading the other comments that are, that are similar to that. Do you think enough people like yourself are doing that? I don't know. I mean, it's like you said, like the people who have time probably have less to offer than the people who don't. Um, it seems that you make the time. I, I have time. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I'm just yeah, I just don't have Have you seen do. my Twitter? <laughs> uh, I, I do think about that. It's like, how can we encourage more people with as much experience as you have and people like that? to become engaged in these places, but instead it's quite the opposite is like you hit a certain point and then abandon, yeah, abandon those spaces where people need you the most. So Dustin Senos has like a really cool thing. Yeah. Um, out of office hours, out of office hours on spectrum, <laughs> which is, it's amazing. An amazing name for something. I would have coined that if I could. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, ton, a ton of people I've talked to have done that. One of my designers really did awesome. it. A lot of like design friends in New York. Celia well did it, it, right? Kaylee. Oh, I thought Celia did it too. No, we always get them mixed up too. They hate us. <laughs> they have the same name. They have essentially the and same name. I met them at the same time. You so heard it was, here. they're basically the same. Cool. I'll have them give this a listen. I really like Celia and Kaylee. <laughs> I'm sorry, Celia and Kaylee. Did you do I like them too. Did you do it? Did I do what? Out of office hours? I didn't do it. No. So. Around that time, I actually didn't have time for anything when it happened. Um, and now I'm kind of starting to free up. Yeah. Okay. But the point I, being, it, it was a different medium. It was a different value proposition than, hey, y'all should comment more in designer news. Instead, yeah. like, let's shift that and say, hey, maybe instead of, trying to engage in that kind of conversation let's do this one-on-one 30-minute meet yeah. and greet kind of uh format right yeah i would totally do it now that i have a bit more time so i 
I have done this. I've done like an Andreessen Horowitz generations kind of thing where they pair senior designers with like people just starting out. Um, and it was the same, same kind of like cadence of 30 minutes. So it's not just like a, a one-time thing. You actually have someone and talk to them over time. What's the most common problems that you see among the time you've done that kind of work and then the time that you spend giving feedback and designer news or to the common threads you see? Yeah. So some of them are just like lack of visibility. They're just like, oh, I'm entering this industry and it's a black hole. Right. And I, I can't see into it. I'm just like, I don't know. None of us can. <laughs> right. I mean, or or the, the opposite problem is just like, I see thousands of medium articles and I don't know what's right. And I don't know how to get a job and I don't know what a job looks like. Um, that's the main thing I found is just like, how, how do I even get an internship? What do people want me to know? What's what's a good company in in like to to get mentored in design? None of that is really apparent to people. Cause like you and and I know how where to find this information, right? And like you're you're plugged in. But even even if you were just like someone who listens to this podcast regularly, you could you could start getting a feeling of like, oh. I know what the resources are that make sense. I know where maybe good design internships are. Like you had the one with Addy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just like, I'm in design school and I think tech is kind of cool, but I don't even know of any designers in tech. I have never heard of like a design and tech podcast. I don't know which companies are doing good work. I don't know what I need to know. I just like, I learned print design. I don't know. Right. So, there's a barrier of entry um, that like, I was lucky to have read Hacker News for years and to like know of the tech space before even like moving to the US. So um, what's your advice to the people in that situation? I just give them resources. What so your, I, yeah. I just like, here's my advice, right? But I, I don't know exactly where that exists. I haven't like really thought about how do I create a sustainable resource for this. Yeah. What are resources you point to? Uh, I point to, I point to designer news. Sure. Uh, I point to design details. I point Aww. to, thanks bud. Yeah. Right. No, but it's good. Right. Cause you've had most of the people that I admire on, um, in, in the space. Um, and like each one has really interesting, like it's not, someone can't like listen to this for 24 hours straight. Right. But they can, oh, I'm going to listen to one a day and it's going to take a lot of time, but I'm going to learn enough to like figure out a path. Uh, and I point them towards internships. So recently someone asked me about internships uh, with me and I saw like Helen at Spotify recently posted a Shopify mm-hmm. internship, at, sorry, at Shopify. Um, so I was like, hey, this is the most amazing internship I can possibly imagine. You need to You need to apply to this. So it's also just like I am tapped into design Twitter, but also like, hey, you should follow these people. Mm-hmm. These are good people to follow. That's like my usual suggestion is follow these people on Twitter. Like you're going to see something come up in like the next week for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have a list? I don't have a standard list. I just like go through go- I go through who I'm following and like the people that I think would be the most valuable. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a case by case basis because everyone's different in what We're they're looking, looking for. for. Things. Yeah. Yeah. I had... um kind of related to this. So I almost taught a class at Parsons. So I went to, I went to Parsons, went to Parsons for, Parsons. Uh, for design and technology. Um, and I almost came back there a year later to teach a class and I wanted to teach it to juniors and call it how to life. 
And so it's a good class name. You should coin like, it. Sounds right? like a I coined it. That's mine. Oh, how to life? <laughs> no one else can life. If anyone else tries to life, I'm collecting royalties. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and and the point of that was like, okay, this class has zero homework, and homework is your career, right? And the final artifact is a portfolio. So design technology includes students who study like I'm going to do game design and development. I'm going to do uh, web design. I'm going to do like uh, interactive art. So like uh, spans a lot of people. And so the point of that class is okay. Step one: figure out what you want to do, which no one ever asks you in college. No one ever is like, "What do you want to do with your life? What are you interested in?" You're just like explore stuff, right? So it's like helping people start to to create a an understanding of what's possible and then be like, okay, you want to do this, start looking out there for what's possible in this. And here's a few job boards and here's a few uh, resources to like look into this space. Cool. Now find design leaders that you admire in that space. Cool. Now reach out to them and try to like get some one-on-one time, which like is so easy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's scary though. It's like intimidating. It's scary, right? But when it's your homework, Right, that when might it's your easy. only option, right? <laughs> yeah, you have to, and it's like it's so easy after you try it. It's just like okay, here, I could even make it easier. I'm like, here's a canned email, send this email to them, and then talk to them, figure out the skill set that you need to build to get an entry level job, and then the rest of the thing is build that skill set or like an internship, build that skill set. Also, like a couple of classes would be like go to networking events. If you don't go to three networking events in the next three classes, then like you get you won't get LinkedIn endorsed for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will um, withhold my endorsement. But yeah, so by the end of this class, you have a person who's like still a junior, right? Has time for an internship and to like build some actual skills and some experience before they go out into the world and like it can't find a job. Um, and s- someone who understand understands that space which I've never heard of a school doing. And it seems like this is the most important class you could be teaching. Like you're teaching them some skills that are usually outdated because like they're taught by professors who are full-time professors. Yeah, people who worked in the industry 10 years ago instead of right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, And you just, you don't have that insight. So like, I don't need to give you that insight as a teacher. Um, I can send you places to get Mm -hmm. that. I don't know. I, I've wanted to you do never, that for a while. You never, Delegate it. You never got to teach it? So it was, that kind of fell through um, just because of lack of organization. And then GA reached out to me, the so General Assembly, yeah, yeah. to teach there. And they were like, oh, we'll pay you this much. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. I'll do it. Yeah. Well, we, st- we are yeah, well, uh, well over time. I think we started... Almost an hour and a half ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so exact, let's end. Let's yeah. end on the note of like, no, no, no. I will take the job with more money. <laughs> no, no, no. So, year and a half uh, managing. Did I see work? Yeah. You're dealing with full stack anxiety. You're trying to coin everything. Coining all the things. You're basically a mint at this point. That's, that's my life goal. But to be a mint. What keeps you up at night? Uh, what keeps me up at night? I think these days, right, just being a manager 
something that's really hard when you're a manager and you, you like truly care about the people on your team and you, you've built it and you feel responsibility is finding room for self-care um, and room to say, you know, this is my responsibility, but there's certain things that I absolutely can't do and there's certain things that shouldn't be a burden on my shoulders. So what ends up keeping me up at night is partially my inability to do that or like I haven't learned how to do that yet. And so I just think about my team all the time. I think about things we're going through. I think about th- struggles they're going through. I think about how to make those better. Um, that's kind of the the thing that's that's in my head that's bothering me. Everything else in in comparison is kind of chill and and easy. Just this one really big hard thing that's. Yeah, just this one overarching, Incre- never-ending, an hard incredible thing. weight on my shoulder. Yeah, right. And it's not like you know, it's not like I'm a parent or something. That's like right. time is a fucking million. Yeah, but it's You're the a same full stack parent. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the same root. It's like I have people that I am responsible for that are going through some difficult things, and how do I make their lives better? You know, how do I make sure? that they don't get burned out? How do I make sure that they feel like they're growing? How do I make sure that they feel like they're doing good work and they're not sad, you know, and they don't go through drama with each other and they don't go through drama, like, with other people in the company? Like, how do I empower them? There's, there's like, a lot of, a lot of really tough things in, as a manager. And I end up spending a lot of time thinking about that do you have a thought on how you can solve that because when you say these things to me i'm thinking wow that's the kind of person i would love to have as a manager but it seems that there's probably a breaking point right it's like if you care too much about everyone else except for yourself there will come a point in time where that breaks yeah that's burnout right burnout or just like burnout or collapsing inward or I, I don't know like how do you think about yeah, finding your own balance there that's kind of like a pattern throughout my life with friends as well with like a lot of people it's just like I end up spending all of my energy uh, and becoming like really drained because I I need to care for people I haven't found a way yet I actually like I do have a coach at Digital Ocean so we have an, an amazing culture in that they like here's a coach that you can use to figure yourself out and to get better as a person as like uh, a professional and the thing we've been focusing on lately was how can I stop feeling guilty all the time how can I stop thinking about this all the time how can I stop like how can I take time for myself and like know which things I just can't solve and just like let those things go. Um, so I'm I'm still working through it. I don't know. I think I'm getting better at pointing to things and being like, I can't solve this, and I don't need to feel bad about it. But it's a it's a work in progress, I guess. Awesome. We're well over time. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for so out, much man. for. Thanks for chatting. Yeah. Talking. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That was episode 192. Thank you so much to Joel for taking the time to talk to us. That was a good episode. That's fun. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, hit us up. We're on Spectrum at spectrum.chat. If you didn't, you're wrong and we're done with you. Yeah, we'll be posting. Sorry, I thought we could be friends, but it just doesn't work. 
So don't be like that. Go to spectrum.chat, find the design details frequency. Spectrum.chat slash design dash details. Boom. Yeah. Join the conversation. Of course, we got lots of other frequencies in there to talk about design and development. We hope to see you in there. That's at spectrum.chat. And of course, be sure to check out our sponsor for this week, Flow. Flow makes it easy to ship great work. It's a collaboration tool and project management tool to help you and your team get organized, get on track, and ship great products on time. You can learn more at getflow.com slash design details. If you sign up through that link, you'll get 20% off your monthly plan. Or if you do the annual subscription, you'll save 30%. Once again, that's getflow.com slash design details. Thank you so much to Flow for making this episode possible. Thanks once again to Flow. Thanks to Joel. See you next week.